You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. Welcome to the Roof English podcast. My name is Darren Adam. Thanks very much for your company. Today, we are investigating the Nordic Women in Tech Awards coming to Iceland amid much excitement and justifiably so. And my three guests today are Paula Gould. We've got Alondra Silva and we've got Plamina Cheneva all joining me today. Uh, much to discuss as we consider the role of women in tech and the uh, maybe lack of recognition, I suppose, for females working in the technology industry, something that the Nordic Women in Tech Awards are, I think, seeking to rectify. So welcome to you all. Thank you. Um, Paula Gould, I'll start with you. Tell me about your organization firstly. Sure. So Women Tech Iceland was founded actually as a, as a Facebook group in 2017. Um, me, Valentina Griffin, and several other people just decided, you know, there was a gap in, in the market for or community for, for the cross-section of women in Icelandic society who work or are interested in tech. About 2021, we decided that we were reaching a point where we needed to formalize the infrastructure of the organization from a Facebook group into an NGO. So we um, are officially a nonprofit organization as of 2021. And we've been working across the community on a lot of things from events to uh, media support for other organizations um, and working with actually visiting technology companies or visiting tech-focused uh events that are coming into the country um, and we partner with them to one raise visibility for women working in tech in Iceland and two serving as kind of a network builder uh, to the outside community so the global tech community and Alondra Silva you are the chair of of Paula's company Mm -hmm. is that right Uh, organization organization yes the the non-profit how did you get involved in that uh, well, I started, when I relocated to Iceland, I started my career in the travel industry, and then I moved to the technology industry, and I, when I was in travel, I felt a little bit isolated, I felt, uh, as a young foreign woman, um, I didn't have any sort of uh, community, so when I moved to technology, I found this, this group of people who were really creating a network of uh, women who were supporting each other and I started working with with Paula and uh, you know it's a small community and Mm. I was invited uh, last year to speak at a panel uh, in Innovation Week where we discuss why women are not uh, reaching leadership positions in the technology Mm. industry and I was I thought it was such a wonderful opportunity to put so many people at the table to discuss this issue then later on I was also nominated for the Nordic Women in Tech Awards and I really thought that uh, I should start putting some time into supporting yeah. more women and doing this voluntary work because sure. it's it's a non-paid role. So, so you're a former nominee, Paula. Obviously, you're a yeah, former I was nominee a former. Well. Yeah, I was the tech advocate um, of the year for Iceland last year. Well, let's let's <coughs> bring in uh, Plamina Cheneva, who is the co-founder and CEO of the awards. And so <laughs> these two ladies here are your partners this year, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. So yeah, tell yeah. me about the awards. Sure. Um, Nordic Women in Tech Awards started um, in 2018. Um, we were looking into um, 
we we see that there were quite a few women in tech organizations emerging in uh, in the Nordics, and we were excited to see that some work. Um, the work has started, as I would say. So we were looking into how can we make it even more powerful? How can we make even a bigger impact? Mm. And the way we saw it happening is when we get all these organizations to work together. So this is how Nordic Women in Tech Awards was born. Mm. We wanted to celebrate the, the women that are already in the tech industry that have achieved a lot, feature them and show the Nordics that there are women in technology. We just don't yes. feature them that much. <laughs> so so we, wanted to, um, we wanted to provide more role models for the next generation. Right. So women can see themselves in the tech industry. They see themselves as leaders, as programmers even, because we're not talking yeah, yeah. about leadership only. We're talking mm-hmm. any aspect of technology. And to have a proper... Um, place on the table when yeah. it comes to technology. You know, we badly miss female perspective. So, so these awards are coming to Iceland. Yes, this year. Yes. So, which is obviously very exciting, and why we're having yes, the conversation. It's the first time, yeah. Tell me about the timetable uh, as we sit here in late April. Yeah. You're looking ahead to a very busy year. What was the timetable for the awards? Um, so, nominations have um, nominations are open now. Okay. Uh, we we opened the nominations. Uh, from the 3rd of April, and they'll be opened until 23rd of June. So within this t- time frame, all Nordic countries have the possibility to to nominate their role models for, yeah. for this year. And what are you looking for? Any profiles, any strong profiles that can be, um, in a way, supporting um, the decision of people, or primarily, of course, women. This is what we're looking uh, or focusing on. But to inspire them and to make sure that they see themselves in the tech industry. Because I keep saying that, but I think it's very hard to be something you cannot see. So I think this is, yeah, yeah, this is very important. And then the awards themselves taking place in in Harpa. They'll take place in Harpa, yes. I think Paula can say more about that, but it will be on the 9th of November. And we have partnered up. Right now, what we are trying to do with Nordic Women in Tech, I just want to kind of clarify things, but... We have all these amazing organizations such as Women in Tech Iceland, Women in Tech Oslo, Women in Tech Finland, sure. um, Gothenburg, Gothenburg <laughs> uh, Denmark as yeah. well. So we have these five organizations, strong organizations that are actually the owners of Nordic Women in Tech Awards right now. Yeah. Okay. So basically, when we go from country to country, we have one kind of leading organization that yeah. takes, you know, kind of the practical work. Sure. About it. Well, well, we'll get some detail about yeah. the awards themselves yeah. with you, Paula, maybe yeah. towards the end of the conversation. But I want to at this point in the conversation in a sense get into why you think this is necessary and it plainly is and it Mm. does it come from the stereotype which i hope is disappearing you can tell me whether you think it is or not but (laughs) does it come from the stereotype that tech is a a man's business a man's world you think of the steve jobs and you think of the steve wozniak's and you think of the bill gates and you think of all the tech bros as they are still billionaires (laughs) exactly (laughs) is is this do you think um alondra both both your non-profit and these awards is it about tearing that stereotype down? It's more than just a stereotype there. And I think this is like a systematic problem that we need to address. And it's almost like a moral duty of us in the society because the technology industry is one of the ones that is generating more and more opportunities and money. And we need to make sure that these opportunities are accessible for for women as well as men. So earlier we were having a conversation with, with ladies 
is about how sometimes uh, you know the, the the innovation ecosystem in Iceland is very healthy. We have you know startups uh, in early stages and later stages, you know, succeeding and so on. Uh, but they are often you know small, and our experience is that sometimes we are the first foreigner to join mm-hmm. a company. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we are the first woman to join a company, and that comes with you know a big price and yeah. also a big responsibility to open the road for for the yeah. ones that are coming later. It's yeah. always, I mean, I'm you know sitting here as a as a as a white man, obviously, <laughs> but I it's always struck me as bizarre that companies, even from a selfish profit-making point of view would turn down the talents of anyone from any particular group because they happen to be from that group. And a lot of the time it won't be conscious, of course. And there's so much data that shows that the more diverse your team is, the more profitable you are. Why would that not be true? Right. It just makes so much sense. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think that there's a lot of different things going on. I think it's societal. I think it's it's, uh, gender biases and differences. There's a number of reasons for it. But one of the things that I've been kind of stewing on a lot lately is we're now heading into Web3, right? Blockchain. What, just, what do you mean by that? For Web3. So it's it's like uh, it, it. a lot of people just frame it in the context of crypto and cryptocurrencies, but it's beyond that. It's how we'll network together. So like before, before the this internet, isn't, this isn't just connect. <laughs> this isn't fridges connected to right. the internet, is it? It's beyond no, that. No, no, right. it's just the it's the it's an actual just mechanism by which we're communicating and connecting and doing business, right? But what's fascinating is as we're moving into Web three, uh, at least in in my social and business circles, you're seeing emerging women in Web3 or, um, you know, like people of color in Web3. And and we're now moving into this like third phase of mm. internet connectivity. And we still have to have specific communities for women, people of yeah. color, folks who don't yeah. fall and on the gender know, spectrum. It's not only about eliminating the bias. You know, I have the experience of having worked with three founders uh, and having, a, you know, them really opening up to, you know, telling just openly how wonderful it is to mm. find and trying to capture foreign talent. But we also need to make sure that these people have their connection networks to access these opportunities yeah. because yeah. a lot of the things happen, you know, not in under official channels and so on. And then we also have the issue of retaining this talent and making mm-hmm. sure that the organizations are a safe space culture, for them. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So You know, the bias is kind of like the first barrier that we experience, but there is so much more. So shining a light on on the folks in the community, the women leaders, the women technologists, the women investors um, is a real opportunity to. Well, Plamina, you've been nodding uh, along with that. You're you're behind these awards, which we've been talking about. Why do you think there is if there is still a difficulty for someone who is female, for example, getting into the world of tech, why would it be harder, do you think, than for men? Oh, there's so many things that I can share here. (laughs) I think a day is not going to be enough. Um, How how much time do you got? Let's find out. Um, Depends from each angle we see it, all right? So if I take as an example, if I, my case, how it all happened and, 
you know, what brought me or kind of struck me, I would say, to start uh, this Nordic Women Takeaways was at the moment that I started university and I moved from Eastern Europe to the Nordics and mm. I started, um, I had my master's in the Nordics. And when I was following my master's degree, out of 120 people, there's one woman. Yeah. Me. Mm -hmm. 120 people in master's computer science program. And then I started, you know, questioning, is this my place? Uh, you know, like I, I started doubt, doubting myself. I started doubting my skills. You know, everything's just yeah. like I felt like the entire world but just. Does, does that at that stage mean yeah. that, that women aren't wanting or don't want to or didn't want they to They want. They to, don't to feel study. welcome. They don't feel welcome. Yeah. They don't feel welcome. But, but even at the stage oh when. Even when they think about applying for a particular course, that that lack of welcome is evident even then yeah. when they make the decision. It kills their yeah. will to continue with their dream yeah. or dream career. You know, in a way, yeah. we often talk about you know the white male confidence, and it's <laughs> <laughs> because it's really intimidating yeah. to walk into a room where right. you are the only woman, and mm. oftentimes you are a young woman, mm. and you think that you don't have anything to offer, but your voice is just so yeah. important. You know, or you do have something to offer, of but course people, you there's do. messages coming at you that say that your opinion isn't as important. But but to the point about being the only woman student. Mm. Um, we have seen a large increase in the amount of women um, applying for and seeking educations in mm. engineering and computer science and other mm. kind of STEM fields, which is wonderful because, of course, like growing up uh, in my generation, we, you know, math was a was a. A boys game, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And You're so then, bad at math, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then when you got older, and I, I have always had a deep interest in the sciences and and studied it to some ex to, to a, a, an extent before switching career paths. And I never went to tech because I was like that. That's math, and that's men. And so as I'm... But that was, wasn't a fear. It doesn't yeah. sound like you would have no. been scared of that. You just I was not instinctively scared of it. felt yeah. unwelcome. I exactly. felt unwelcome. Yeah, yeah. Or, or I was told I didn't belong there. Or yeah. if I had an opinion... It was it was valued less than the opinion of but, other folks. And right? I have exactly the same yeah. experience. And I actually spoke about it in an event that we have very recently with SISTUR, which is the organizations for the students, female students in computer science in the University of Reykjavik. Not, we should say, not to be confused with Iceland's Eurovision entry. from, from <laughs> <laughs> just, just for any casual listeners. Yeah. Who, really, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, these, these young ladies, they are doing wonders. And, you know, they are so driven. And uh, we had this collaboration. We had an event in which we we talk a little bit For about the our experience, right? exactly. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, you know, I have the same experience. I. I was, you know, programming when I was in seventh grade. Yeah. I went to a school that was very technological advanced. But then I always heard, you're bad at math, hence you cannot go into right. technology roles. Mm. And who would have thought that today I am a leader in the technology right. industry? Yeah, you know? because tech because, is more than math, but as we've exactly. learned. Exactly, <laughs> and I didn't let these yeah. stereotypes, barriers I, right. stop me from I, it. I suppose I should really ask all of you what, what you do in the tech field we've talked a little bit about yeah. it we've talked about the, the educational background that you've had on yeah. your way into the industry but let, let's I mean, go, let's go around the table Pima, what, what do you what do you do yeah i'm working as an it consultant at the moment so we're doing a lot of uh, consultancy for 
we're teaching basically customers how to use systems that we build for them. Okay. So this is this is what implementation I tell them. And, yeah, yeah, implementations of systems and yeah. so on. So I work with Deep Check, I would say, uh, as well. I'm very mm. involved in also some programming activities and consultancy. Okay. Yeah, this yeah. is what I work with. Alondra? I, I work in uh, international marketing. So I have uh, worked for two Icelandic companies, uh, helping them grow in international markets. Uh, my passion is, you know, to take a company and take a product and really tell the world what it is you know and think about ways on how we can make these companies grow and Paula I'm uh, what I would call a fractional CMO that's kind of the new term for consultants who work with marketing communications and investor relations so I work both in the Icelandic market across the Nordics and then in North America with various companies helping them with their uh, go-to market and growth strategies and also Um, just figuring out where they're supposed to be in the world. Yeah. Okay. Can, can we talk a little bit about technology generally in yeah. Iceland? Because it does seem to be a very technologically advanced country in, yes. in very many ways. When I moved here, got my Kenatala and my Icelandic phone number, I was saying to you earlier on before we switched on the microphones, it felt like I had a superpower. Yeah. Because those two things together, a smartphone yeah. and a Kenatala. You didn't have to fax anything. Exactly. <laughs> but it but it unlocks everything yeah. in a in an almost kind of magical way. Yeah. So when I you know, when I bought my car, there was the bill for the, the car tax or the road tax in yeah. my bank account right. on my app. Yeah. Straight away. No forms to fill in, nothing to sign to go online to do anything. Um, what do you, again, we'll go around the table on this. What do you make of the state of technology in Icelandic society? I think that there has been a lot of governmental incentive mm-hmm. into investing in technology. And we have, for example, the office Digital Iceland, who has been working exactly with what you're saying, you know, yeah. digitalizing documents, working with Fieldscrow, the National Registry, yeah. and so on. And uh, now we have the recently, you know, I think it was this or last year that was created the Ministry of Innovation, who is also working with digitalization. So it's a uh, Uh, we are extremely, you know, fortunate when you compare it to how mm. where they are in their digital journey, other nations. Yeah. But at the same time, then you have uh, a lot of the the work behind technology, relying a lot on, you know, nonprofit, civil society yeah. organizations to do, for example, you know, data re- collection, data collection, researching, advocacy, advocacy. <laughs> reminding people, even though we're the number one country for gender equality, we sure. Have have a long way to go yeah. before that's actually like before we um, are gender equal yeah Plamina your view of this you aren't you don't live in Iceland but obviously you're very uh, connected to the other Nordic countries yeah. from what you've seen from what you know how does Iceland compare Oh uh, well I from what we have discussed with Paula so far um, I see a lot of similarities with other Nordic countries they're yeah. really trying to get into this digital journey and make sure that everything is digital like for example we're paying everywhere with our you know mobile pay that we right. have yeah. like yeah, invoices even as you mentioned we can just use our phones we just mobile pay everything and then we are fine with it and I love that because where I come from originally they're still living in this bureaucratic world where you have to do everything with paper and it's not sustainable at all right. now we're talking about sustainability green energies and all that and Nordic countries are way ahead when it comes yeah. to and certain Iceland, parts of particularly yeah, with particular, green energy yeah, exactly. is really so, at the forefront there. So I yeah. can I'm really good at comparing Nordics yeah. and other It's <laughs> funny because in my Europe. former life I would present radio programs where we took phone calls from from listeners and in the UK 
and there was much talk of the UK moving towards being a cashless society. Yeah. And I always took mm-hmm. the view that that suited me really well. I've not touched money for about six yeah, months. Yeah, that's right? true. That's true. Um, so I I, I'm, neither. I'm, I'm absolutely fine with that personally. Yeah. I kind of live in that world already. Do you have any apology? Do you have any sympathy for people who aren't ready to be in that world? Who... It's, yes. And also, I think we have to look at this socioeconomically, right? So like... And a lot of cases, those who are not digitally enabled, it's not because they have no desire to be digitally enabled. Yeah. They don't have the means to be digitally enabled. Yeah. I feel like here in Iceland in particularly, um, as a society is digitizing, um, it's it's removing some of those uh, barriers. Do you think it is? I was going to ask you that, whether I a country do. like Iceland, because it's fine for me, it works yeah. very well for me and for you as well. I just wonder if for people who aren't as digitally happy in that realm yeah. as you and I are. Maybe like a, a neo-Ludite, you mean? Or is it no, like... I, I, no, not, <laughs> not like necessarily. I refuse. I'm going to read books. No, yeah. Not necessarily. Yeah. I, I simply mean people who aren't as comfortable using technology yeah. as Well, as I think that there I is a be. lot of effort in, in, um, in making sure that all types of people have access to or are digitally enabled. Yeah. Um, I that's think that's a challenge for all society. I think that yeah. that's really important. You look at like color blindness on websites. You look at um, voice and and pupil control for folks who don't have the use of their arms and legs. There's a lot of different things that we have to consider when we're talking about digitally enabled. Um, in general. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I th- I think that we are moving in the right direction. I think that because Iceland is a small society, it has a better ability to reach into or, or, or I shouldn't say reach into communities to get information. We we no, can that add, quite bad. We can <laughs> we can we can well we but we are struggling still with with stakeholder engagement, right? So meaning meaning instead of just serving a community of people who you know or is excluded, bring the community of people to the table, okay. and and that factors back into women as well. I have mm. been the only board member that that was a woman on a company. I have been the only woman executive. I know the challenges that I faced with that. And even though I felt prior to this that I was empathetic and supportive and an advocate for others, I feel like when I had that experience myself, when I was when I was an immigrant, when I was the only woman in the room, that I became deeply more aware of that responsibility that Alondra was talking about, about about making sure that you're bringing other people with you when you have an opportunity. Can, no. can women do women? Do you think bring a different perspective specifically to the world of of technology? I th- Absolutely. Yeah. I if I may add something, you know, you're asking about uh, having empathy for people who are not there, you know, in their yes. digital journey and so on. So I have experience working with the Chinese market in one of my previous roles and traveled to China quite a lot. And I don't know, like, if you guys are familiar with how digitalized China yeah. is today, mm-hmm. and it was even before COVID. So we have companies like, for example, Alipay, WeChat. Everything is done like mobile payments. Digital enablement is the norm, not yeah. the exception. Well, I've got there. a friend who used to work in China. He's not been there for some time, but he's still well connected to the country. Right. I mean, when Facebook was becoming a thing that we were all using, he was saying China 
China has had WeChat, yeah. the yeah. sort of rough equivalent, for about 10 years. Yeah. And exactly. 10 years. Now, there are obviously issues yeah. with censorship. Issues. In, Very in, in, many in issues with WeChat and the government, yeah. you know, involvement there. But what really caught my attention, because where I come from, similar to what Plamina was mentioning, you know, everything is done on paper and people are taking a lot of time to do very simple bureaucracy. But in China, I was using mobile payments even for street vendors. So I'm yeah. talking about the guy in the corner that is selling you the food. They were only accepting mobile mm. payments. The first time Compl- I actually came to Iceland in 2008 and I was out in Vatnajökull and I was about to scale a glacier. Like the city, the American city <laughs> tourist version of scaling a glacier. It was. I've since learned I didn't actually conquer the world, you know, Europe's no, largest glacier. No. But what was fascinating about that was we're out in the middle of nowhere on a glacier and the guy just pulls out, you know, a, a point of purchase. <laughs> and, and I was like, I'm like literally standing on a glacier with my credit card paying for my yeah. my adventure. And, and that was to me like, you know, that was my first experience of saying yeah. like, wow, America has a lot of catching well, up to yeah, do. And it's not that with cards anymore. Yeah. Now it's with your mobile phone, yeah. right? Or, exactly. or your watch. But, or, uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But I remember I, people yeah. used to always say to me, the, one of the arguments against the cashless society was, well, how, how would you donate money to a homeless person? I yeah. sort of took the old fashioned view that eliminating the problem of homelessness is maybe right. a, better, <laughs> exactly. a better thing yeah. to but, focus but on. But you isn't know, it? for example, yeah, in the point. US, they, they have Venmo and so on. Yeah. But just to finish my thought there, you're yeah, asking, yeah, yeah. like, what can women contribute in this? And I think it's more, inter- it's of course, women is important, but it's more intersectional than that, yeah. because it also has to do, for example, with class and the place where a person is uh, in a socio-economical scheme. So I was talking about the street vendors and yes. comparing China to where I'm coming from. So, right. for example, in the street markets, people in my country are only taking cash. Yeah. So I would think, like, how big of a difference would it make for, yeah. you know, social mobility and mm. so on if they would be able to access this technology? Yes. And no one is thinking about that and no one is creating startups for that because these people necess- not necessarily are involved in the technology industry. So what, right. that's why we're talking about access to the yeah. industry yeah. itself. Well, Plamina, I want to bring you back in here and, and, yeah. and take the conversation back to the awards, if we may. This is the first time these awards have taken place in Iceland. Yes. Um, was it just Iceland's turn or was, the, you know, feeding into what we're saying, was there something about we the country that... We definitely lobbied. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so because we, we listen a lot to our community, I think uh, w- what we try to to be with Nordic Women in Take Awards is to be entirely transparent. So everybody knows who the judges are on local level, on global level. Everybody knows what is the entire process behind. We're extremely vocal, vocal and transparent. Mm-hmm. So what we did was right after we were done with the event last year, we just put it a poll out there on uh, on social media and ask everyone, okay, where do you want the event to happen next? Because the next countries that have left were Iceland, Finland, and Norway, and everyone just voted for Iceland. <laughs> yeah. well, so we're would. like, but okay, then we go there. A really good point because we just discussed how um, you know, like perspective and visibility is so important. And Iceland's own place within Nordic the the Nordic region is always trying to. In, in essence, because we're so small, remind folks that 
we we're are here. we're here. <laughs> I know when I was working in venture yeah. capital here in Iceland, one of my favorite things to do when I was going to these events in Sweden and, mm. and in Berlin and was say like, you have to take Iceland more seriously. And yeah. some of the venture capital community is like, yeah, I've been to Iceland. I've brought my team there or we're doing our company trip there, our company retreat. And I was like, great, let me set up a, an event for you so that this investment community, which theoretically invests across the Nordics. Yeah, that I get can, the, Iceland as a tourist destination yeah, is very it. well placed, but right. it still has not positioned itself maybe as like a business center yeah. for either the Nordics or European communities. So it's time we start merging those, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, and so, this is what we were thinking. Sorry, yeah. Paula, I just interrupted you because this is what we, we thought initially. Like in this community, we have entrepreneurs, we have uh, programmers, we right. have investors, we have digital leaders in the Nordics. So we just wanted to connect them all so we're yeah. building like a huge network within the nordics right now i think we are almost seven thousand members at the moment yeah um where we connect everyone so it's the best way where startup founders can actually yeah. connect with, with investors within the nordics and yeah. that brings a lot of benefits to all countries and of course like iceland's mandate yeah. with the current administration is to that technology will be the innovation sector that yeah. puts Iceland and, on, and on the global all map. All governments say that. Yeah, do you, probably but, true, no, but, but, yeah. but do you think in, in Iceland's yeah. case, it, it has legs, it stands up? I think it could have legs if we actually put our action where our words are, <laughs> right? So yeah. this maybe is a good segue into, you know, the folks of foreign origin who are, mm. live here. There's a, there's a lot of discussion around the number of foreign specialists we'll need to help drive Iceland's innovation. Yes. Um, and it's great to hear those talking points. What we've been doing on the back end is meeting with various stakeholders involved in that dialogue and saying it's so great that like foreigners are finally getting the recognition they deserve. One, I think that Iceland's companies, in order to actually scale, will have to move into the markets that they're trying to scale into and hire talent there. Um, but I do agree that the local support is necessary. And and we already actually have a lot of foreign talent here, which I think the women tech Iceland community has showcased, right? We're the only trade organization here that has that true cross-section of women in society and it's from all over the place yeah. native-born icelanders to folks who moved here yeah, well, i mean our community yeah. gravitates towards the foreigners i believe because we put down those barriers a yeah. lot of those barriers have to do with language in my experience yeah. so i would personally love to be involved in more organizations regardless of, you know, if they're like about uh, management positions mm -hmm. or the technology industry. But unfortunately, having, you know, no access to Icelandic language makes it really difficult. Mm -hmm. So in Women Tech Iceland, we are not necessarily a organization center on the foreign community, but we do tend to attract them. And what is really great about that is that we actually have people that have international experience. So, right. you know, for example, in my case, I have worked in five continents and, you know, I can only access this community and, you know, give back what, what I have to offer. It wouldn't be yeah. possible if I didn't even know about them because of but also barriers. the foreigners that live here, um, the way that the government is kind of 
currently <coughs> tracking things from talking to the business community is looking at the number of specialist visas that we've distributed. Yes. And the reality is, is that like I didn't come in through a visa. I came in through you know marrying my husband, and and that's a typical yeah. uh, scenario. So we're not even in the in the sights of of what's being tracked. There's a lot and, of potential yeah, that's being missed. Squandered, yeah. I would yeah. say. Yeah. 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 Plamina, yeah. you um, have have obviously run these awards in other Nordic countries. Do do your partners, when you work with them in other Nordic countries, do they evangelize about their countries as much as, <laughs> as, as, much much as we're hearing here? <laughs> but isn't that typical for the Nordics? <laughs> <laughs> No, but what I, what what we have seen uh, from this year uh, was that because there is many or, uh, organizations that are placed in most Nordic countries, but not Iceland. So this is something that we have seen with some of our partners and sponsors. That, yeah. for example, they've been sponsoring us for years, but then suddenly we go to Iceland. They don't have, you know, like a, what is it called, like a legal entity. Yeah. I would say here in Iceland, and they're like, oh, but maybe next year when you go to, you know, another Nordic country. So mm-hmm. this is something that we have seen, and what we are trying right now is like push back and say, okay, but that doesn't mean that you cannot be in Iceland at some point, right? right. Because this is Nordic women in tech awards. It's not Icelandic yeah. women in tech. Sure, right. Sure. So you cannot say, even though you don't have the legal entity in Iceland, you cannot yeah. say we're not going to sponsor you because no, you're doing it in Iceland. Yeah. It's right. just it doesn't make any sense to us because we are bringing the entire Nordic in, yeah. uh, Nordics in, um, in in Iceland. So there's people flying for, from all over yeah, the Nordic countries. the visibility is around the exactly. actual org and its visibility It doesn't matter where you hold mm-hmm. the actual ceremony. Yeah. It matters that you care about the mission and yeah. vision of this organization. Right. So I think this is the misunderstanding of many of our partners, I would okay. say, that don't Outside. have. Yeah. I, would, I would love to continue the conversation all day, and I bet we could as well. Yeah. Right? <laughs> easily. We, we could easily carry this on all day, but but time has, has beaten us, or is beating us. We will put links to the awards and indeed to your organization yeah. as well, Paula, on the article that accompanies this. But just a, a very brief word, because we said we mm-hmm. would, on the awards themselves taking place at the end of uh, beginning of November, I yeah, think, Yeah, so Harper. nominations are open now. Yes. Uh, we want everyone, obviously, outside of Iceland, but you know, we're championing Iceland here. So we want folks to think about the people and the technology areas of their of their companies. And also, if you're a tech company, all of the operational areas of your business mm-hmm. and advocate for them. I want you to take a look at maybe the colleagues that you that you didn't grow up with, like the colleague that you didn't go to kindergarten with, maybe the uh, woman of foreign origin who's on your team, who's really like moving against all all odds to to establish leadership uh, in in your your company. Look at them and nominate them. Yeah. Um, it was a surprise to me that I was nominated last year. It came from a member of the community who I had mentored on a couple of other things, and I think that that's really important. So, yeah. and Alondra, you were nominated yeah. too. Yeah, right? I was yeah. a nominate and a finalist uh, for diversity leader of the year. So that's what's so great about these awards is that there are so many different categories, categories. right? Yeah. So yeah, I. I mean, it's yeah. really great. Like what Paula is saying, a lot of us uh, who are not born here, we necessarily have the yeah. connection network. So yeah. we're asking here the community to really think hard yeah. and 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 to come talk to us too. We're we're doing a panel discussion alongside yeah. Rick, which is the gender equality. 
um, organization body within uh, the University yeah, of Iceland so on May 23rd. Alondra exactly. is the moderator, yeah, so come so, meet us there. Yeah, we are leading a, a panel in Innovation Week, May uh, 23rd, partnering with the Institute of, for Gender Equality and Difference at the University of Reykjavik. We have a really wonderful panel with leaders and CEOs in the technology Vater company. Vater from AVO. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the topic will be creating more inclusive and just companies in Iceland. We will be talking about issues of compensation equality, eliminating bias, some of the things we've already, you know, touched Talk the surface yeah. on yeah. right now. So yeah. uh, we will, the events will mostly take place in, in House School Islands, but yeah. uh, definitely follow us on Facebook and LinkedIn to see more details about Yeah, and we'll be doing well. outreach around the Nordic Women in Tech Awards. Events like this don't happen alone, so we will be relying on sponsor partners and technology companies and, and yeah. consulting well, firms that can assist I remember, assist in Paula, when you contacted successful. me at first yeah. uh, to talk about this, you said, you know, this is a big deal. It and is. I think you've absolutely, <laughs> the three of you, you've made the case for it being a big exclamation deal. Exclamation point, for, exclamation not, point. Not just the fact the awards yeah. exist, but the fact that they're coming to Iceland. Yeah. I think the importance of that is absolutely now recognised yeah. after our conversation. So yeah. thank yes. you all very much Thanks for, so much for, for joining us. me today. That's uh, yeah. Alondra Silva, Plamina Geneva and Paula Gould. And thank as I say, all of the relevant details will be on the article that accompanies this podcast, all the links that you need. So thank yeah. you. Nominate somebody absolutely. right now. Yes. Thank you very much <laughs> for Thank you so for much for having us. You're very welcome. Thank you indeed. And this is the Ruve English podcast. You can, of course, get in touch with us anytime. English at ruv.is is the email address. I heard someone's pen click there. <laughs> nice so way to punctuate more, that. <laughs> uh, more, more activity is underway by the sounds of it. You're listening to the Ruve English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is English.